Church, it is so good to be with you. Uh, if you're new, we uh, many times preach in series. We take a topic or a, a character and we preach on them for three, four, five, sometimes even longer for weeks. And uh, we've been in a series on Easter. Now, 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 logic would tell you that series would have been done last weekend, but Meadows Church is far from logical, far from normal. You probably have figured that out by now. So we, we, the series of Easter for us continues. Because Easter, for, for at least this church, is not about just one day. It is about an event. The, the event is that Jesus was dead. Today he's alive. The tomb was empty last week. We celebrate. But the tomb, is it still empty this week? Is it still? Okay, then we're going to celebrate. The series continues. And the series has been so much fun. Like, you've asked questions. And we, through the word of God, are answering the questions. And they have been incredible. So, in fact, some, speaking of Easter, some gal asked me this before Easter services. She said, does Meadows have a sunrise service? And I thought about it, and I thought, I said, yeah, we do. She said, what time is it? I said, 9 o'clock. And she said, that, she said, that's not a sunrise service. I said, I said ma'am, this is Meadows Church. That's probably, that's probably the closest we're ever going to get. I, it just is. We're just not, this is a kind of a rougher crowd. We don't. I don't know, I guess I can speak for me. I don't get up that early. So 9 o'clock is sunrise service. So welcome to sunrise service, right? So here we go. Um, the first question is, it won't even be up on the screen because this question came from your pastor. And uh, so he has the mic so he gets to do this once in a while. So uh, I just, this is a very important question and you'll, you'll understand why. I wrote it down. Why do we make people take a test to drive a car? But we don't make people take a test in order to have social media. Like, I need to know the answer right now. Like, you know, I'm just, I've just been thinking about I'm like, I don't get it. We've, you've all got that friend or that family member. And you see the post and you're like, oh, they didn't just post that for thousands to see. Honey, look at this. Look at this. You're like, look at that. I'm guessing she drank a box of wine before she put that. I mean, who posts that? You know you have somebody in your life that does that. And if you don't know who they are then you're the person doing that. And that's not, that's wrong. Stop doing that. So I thought about this and I thought, here's what I would do if I was Zuckerberg. And Mark, if you're watching, you know, welcome home. So this is what I would do. I would, I think that like a license, we would, do, we would say, you know what? Um, you take a test on etiquette, okay? Got to pass an etiquette test. You got to pass a grammar test. You got to get by third grade grammar, okay? If you do that, there's a good chance that we'll give you a social media account, okay? But if we give you that account, it's, uh, what do they call that when you get a license, but you're not, it's not a real license? A learner's permit, yeah, yeah. So, so you pass this etiquette test and this grammar test, and you get a social media learner's permit. This is my idea. I think I could, like, you have Shark Tank right now. So I, this, you get, a, you get a learner's permit for a year. Now, in that first year, if you, during that first year, if you post anything stupid, anything, that is the equivalent of like you driving your car and hitting somebody and killing them. That's it's terrible. We immediately revoke your permit, right? You don't get it anymore. You possibly go to jail. I mean, really. I mean, think how I'm just, is this genius or what? I, the problem is if we did that, there'd be like three people on social media, right? I mean, it's just, Mark wouldn't like that. So I'm just thinking, you know, I'm just, I'm just throwing an idea out there just to get things started. But back to the real questions. Um, Somebody asked this question, and I think it's so good because we say things sometimes in a church, and we don't even know what we're saying. Uh, like, I grew up in a church, very methodical, very traditional, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's different churches for different people. But we would say prayers, and we would do things, and we would sit, and we would kneel, we'd stand, we stand, and I wouldn't have a clue what I'm doing, 
Like I could regurgitate prayers to you and I wouldn't have, I wouldn't, wouldn't even know what I'm saying because it was just habitual. So I wonder how many times you've said the word amen and not even know what you're saying. That's this question. What is the meaning and origin of the word amen? Like we say it, you've said it thousands of times maybe in your life. What are you even saying? What are we saying? Let's find out. Amen, when you say that, it's an affirmation, say affirmation. It's an affirmation of truth. That you're declaring this is true. You're, another word for it uh, in the English translations is certainly, or so be it. That's what you're saying when you say amen, so be it. It's a word of Hebrew origins, if you want to know where it originated from. First seen in the Old Testament, I think it first appears in the book of Numbers, the fourth book in the Bible. Um, it appears uh, in, oh, I'm going to read some in Deuteronomy because there's a lot of them in there. And then, uh, and then it goes even into the New Testament. But let me read you some scripture to give you context. So Moses, he wrote the first five books of the Bible. And, and God gave Moses commands and, and moral code, and he would give these to the Israelites to teach them how to live. So here's, and this is where he really, you really hear the word amen a lot. Deuteronomy 27, these verses are right in a row. 15, cursed, Moses says, cursed is anyone who carves or casts an idol and secretly sets it up. These idols, these, these works of craftsmen, they're detestable to the Lord. And he said, all the people will reply, amen. And the people would reply, amen. In other words, so be it. That is true. That is right. We're in agreement. That's what they're saying. 16. If any kids in the room, lean into this one, okay? Uh, cursed, Jacob and Ava, cursed is anyone who dishonors their father and their, their father and their mother. And all God's parents said? Amen. Yeah, preach to me. Okay. Verse 17. Curses anyone who steals property from a neighbor by moving a boundary marker. And all God's people said? Yeah, you're getting it. So be it. Cursed is anyone who leads a blind person astray on the road. Okay, that's, that's wrong. You should be cursed. Okay? Cur okay. And all God's people will reply, yeah, let's transition to the New Testament. You and I just prayed this together. I'll just give you the ending. Uh, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory. Forever and ever. So be it. It is true. If we believe it and we're declaring it, amen is an affirmation of truth. And then the person that wrote the question, they were kind of funny. They said, and more importantly, is it pronounced amen or amen? Okay, okay we got to know. So I thought about that for a second and I kind of laughed about it. And then I thought, there's a lot of words in the English language that it could, you're right. It, people pronounce them differently. So I thought, okay, let's look at a couple together, do some voting, and then we'll look at amen and amen. So the first word, is it either or either? Who says either? Who says either? We're about half and half there. You know, for me, I, I, I could go either way. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, you like that. Okay, so uh, what's it? Aunt, okay. Is it your Aunt Susie or your Aunt Susie? Who says aunt? Okay, who says aunt? Oh my, are you kidding me? You are, the, okay, you're wrong. The aunt people, you're wrong. I'm just saying. Susie's your aunt. A little insect is your aunt, okay? They, I don't get it. That was, that shocked me right there. This church needs Jesus. Okay, is it, is it caramel or caramel? Caramel? Who says caramel? A lot of caramels. Any caramels? 
Okay, you know, some of the uppity people, I'll have a caramel. Okay, you know, whatever. Jeez. All right. Coyote, or what is it? No, yeah, coyote or coyote? Who says coyote? Yep, coyote. Okay, I'm going with Roadrunner. Roadrunner says coyote. I say coyote. So, okay, one more. Is it the Caribbean or the Caribbean? Caribbean? Okay, Caribbean? Wow, okay, that surprises me. For me, you can send me to either place. I, I, I'll go, okay? I'm just saying. I'm in. Put up the last one, will you? I, I, I can't believe we even have to talk about it. At the count of three, I want you to say this word out loud, okay? One, two, three. If anybody in the room said wash, you get out now. We rebuke you in the name. Uh, I mean, what? There is not. I, Mom, if you're watching, I'm calling you out right now. I mean, what, you, what, the kids put it in the washer. The what? There is no such thing. I can't. We're, you know, the president, all, all those people in Washington, D.C., that's not a place, Mom. That doesn't exist. Okay? There's no R in the word. Okay? Oh, gosh, that felt good just to get it out. Man, sir, we want a our prayer team needs to see you after the service, okay? I'm not kidding you. It is worse? Okay, so there we have, so amen or amen. I, okay, I think I say both. I think if you say amen, you love Jesus. If you say amen, you probably think you love Jesus a little bit more, okay? That, okay. And, if you, and if you close your prayers by saying amen, you, okay, you have no friends. Okay, stop doing that. That's wrong. Don't do that. So, next question. Pastor, you say all the time we were created on purpose for a purpose. It's true, and I do. Because you were. How do I know my purpose? Wow, they're calling out meadows, talking about a purpose church. What's my purpose? I always tell people, if you want to know why you were created, you better ask the creator. Right? He would know why he created you, wouldn't he? So, the son of God who, by the way, is God, made two statements. This is all you need to know. Now, okay, before I get to that, let me tell you something. You have, if you're saved, if you have the Holy Spirit living in you, we have universal purposes, and that's what I'm talking about right now. These are universal purposes that are your purpose and my purpose, regardless of uh, anything else about us. You also have individual, like, unique purposes that tie to it, too. That's based on your upbringing. That's based on your past. Uh, that's based on your, your, your talents and your spiritual gifts. But it, we're, I'm not talking about that today. I'm just talking about the universal, like, this is everybody that you have Christ living in you, this is your purpose. Jesus said it. He said he made one statement before he died and rose. He made one statement after he died and rose. And they both tell you what your purpose is. You ready to hear your purpose? Are you ready to hear your purpose? Anybody care? Okay, here we go. Matthew 22, Jesus replied. He's asked a question, basically, what's, what's the most important thing? What's the purpose of all this? Jesus said it. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. This is it. Your number one purpose is to know God and to love God. That is it. That is it. And that can look a lot of different ways. But repeat after me. You know what that is? Repeat after me. Say, this is 
worship. That's worship. Worship isn't just music. That's a form of worship. Worship isn't just praise. That's a form of worship. Worship is when you go to work and you work like you're working for the Lord. Worship is when you, when you point your kids to youth on a Wednesday night. That's worship. Worship is when you invite someone to church. Worship is when you open the word of God. Worship is being here right now, even in this moment, just sitting and listening. That's worshiping God. I, so your number one purpose is to know and love God. But Jesus doesn't stop there. Let's put up the next part. Oh, my gosh. Did I screw up the script? Let's see here. Matthew 22, 38, 37, 38. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, did, I, did, I didn't finish it. That's my bad. So you must love the Lord your God. This is the first and greatest commandment. Did I put the second one that says um, you must love your neighbor as yourself? I skipped it. Okay, I'll just give it to them. So Jesus kept talking, and he said, that's not all. You love the Lord your God. And then he said the second, listen to this, is equally as important. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the prophets, in other words, the, what you're reading, the Old Testament, all the, the book and the, the prophets and what they wrote, it all is based on those two commandments. Your purpose, your purpose is to love God with all that you are and then love others. And I'll even simplify it for you even more. Just love others. Just do that. Because if you're loving others, the number one way to love God is to love others. The number one way to love God is to love others. If all you do is love your neighbor like, like yourself, you are living your purpose. You are loving God and you are loving others. And then I wrote this down. I said, when you love others like Christ loves you unconditionally, that's loving and expecting nothing in return. And that's, different, that's a different kind of love. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes when I... I do something or I express something, I want to be acknowledged. Maybe that's probably a, God, a guy thing. Like Jody, my wife Jody will be gone and she'll come home and I'm like, Jody, as I'm patting myself on the back, I, I switched out a bunch of laundry today. She's like, that's great, honey. I, I did like three, four loads of laundry. She's like, sweetie, that is, I'm so proud of you. That's awesome. And then she'll say, did you put the clothes away? And I'm like, why you got to do me like that? You know, Why? Why would you say something? I mean, what, if I did it, what would the kids do, right? What would you guys do then? You got to do something. I mean, so expecting nothing in return. Your purpose is to love God. Your purpose is to love others. Jesus didn't stop there. Now you can throw up the go and make disciples because Jesus died next. He rose next. That's the center of your faith, by the way, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What we celebrate, not just last weekend, but we celebrate it every day of the year. We could do an Easter series 52 weeks of the year and get away with it. Go and make disciples of all the nations. That's your purpose. I'm giving you universal purposes. You want to know what your purpose is? God's giving it to you. Go and make disciples. Reach people for me. A gentleman asked me right out in the Welcome Center before we got up here. He's like, what's the purpose of your church? What's the purpose of the church? I said, we're supposed to be Jesus to people. We're supposed to love others. We're supposed to reach others. Jesus said, now I'm going. And I'm sending somebody better, my Holy Spirit. Listen to him. And if you do what he says, I will build my church. The only thing Jesus said he would build is his church. We're to reach people for Jesus. That's what we're supposed to do. And I'm so proud of this church. I'm telling you, last weekend, you, 
I met so, we met so many first-time guests because you invited. You brought people. We had the highest attendance we, we had the whole year last weekend. It was amazing. The most first-time guests we've had in a year. And like Rachel said, 11 people went from death to life because of you and the way that you love and the way that you invite. Keep inviting. Keep loving in that way. It's incredible. After, I don't know if it was the 9 or the 11 last week, I don't know if it was our sunrise service or the later one, but after one of the services, we get done and I'm out meeting with people and a gentleman comes up to me with his, with his younger brother and he says, my brother is feeling something and something's going on. And I said, what's going on? He said, he, said he, think, he, thinks, he thinks he's supposed to give his life to Jesus. And I'm like, oh my God, this is, there's no greater thing. So I'm like, well, let's go. I mean, let's go. This is why we're here. So we go over off to the side in the welcome center, um, and, and we, I, I talk to the, to the 11-year-old boy, and I said, what's going on? And he starts to tell me what God's doing and explain to me, and, and, and he was on point. I mean, this, this kid, you can tell the Holy Spirit was moving in him, doing something in him. I said, all right, let's pray. And uh, the, by this time, the rest of the family come around, so his whole family is there. We circle up and we pray, and we're praying. And in this moment, I'm telling you what, in the moment, this is so amazing what God was doing. In that moment, that 11-year-old boy goes from death to life, gives his life to Jesus. And I'm thinking to myself, this is what we love. This is why we pour into the next generation like crazy. So I, I sent an article to some of my leaders this week because it caught me off guard. And I don't know if you've seen it or not. If you didn't see this one, you'll see them in the future. I'll guarantee you. The article that I saw that I sent, this is what it said. Um, the satanic temple has been making a concerted effort to push into elementary and grade schools in opposition to the other clubs that get to go there. Like Christian clubs sometimes get to meet before or after school. And they said, if they get to do it, we'll do it. And you might be thinking, oh, come on, that'll never happen. It already has. This was in Pennsylvania. There's, it already happened in Moline, Illinois. It's already going on in the elementary school. So I'm telling you what, Satan is ruthless. You think that article's crazy? That, that's just, that's nothing. That's going to be normalized. I promise you. Okay? Jesus said it. It's going to, things will shift. They'll keep shifting. They'll keep going off. And we shouldn't be appalled by it. We should, we should step in and say, that, you know what? This is where we shine. This is where we step in as the bride of Christ. And we start loving. And we start leading. So, so um, but the devil's ruthless. For he's going after your teenagers. He's going after your kids and your grandkids and your, your nephews and your nieces. This is why I'm begging parents, when you come here, God, bring your family for one thing. Get your kids into the kids' ministry where they're getting Jesus on their level so they can understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're getting it every week. Get your teenagers to youth. My gosh, we meet here every Wednesday. Your 6 to 12 graders, you're their parent. You're their grandparent. Lead them. God, if you don't, I guarantee somebody will. There's someone going after them. I just told you about him. Get them here. We'll get them to soccer. We'll get them to club. We'll get them to show choir. And I have nothing, there's nothing wrong with those things as long as they don't trump the Lord. As long as they're not more important than you. What God say? Love me more than anything else. That was the first and greatest commandment. See, we like to love God, but what we like to do is love him with parts of us or some of us in some areas of our life. But we don't want to give you all of us. He says, I'll accept nothing less, not because uh, to take something from you, but because I have life for you. So we've, got to get, we've got to get so ruthless about getting our kids in front of Jesus. 
Whatever it takes. This is why I was so excited. This week, me and some leaders met with an organization called Youth for Christ. Anybody heard of Youth for Christ? I mean, it's kind of a, I, I, I heard of it, didn't know much about it. So what they are is they're a, they call them a parachurch organization. They're not the church, but they exist to kind of be a bridge to get people from here to the church. And they're, and they're important because the church, we can't, I can't just as the pastor walk into my kid's school and say, hey, I'm going to preach a message. Okay, they'd have me arrested. It wouldn't be the first time, Joel. So anyway, so um, welcome to Meadows. So I, uh, we, the church can't do that. But Youth for Christ, they, have, they can. They're allowed into the schools before and after, before and after a school. And, and, and we met with these leaders. Um, and, and I'm thinking to myself, this is, the, we're, we're, this is something else we're going to wrap around. Because we want to do whatever it takes. And they're talking about how we'll, we'll meet the kids and we'll, we'll tell them about the church. And we'll have leaders there too. And we'll point them back to the church. Because, the par- because Jesus didn't die for Youth for Christ. I told them that. They already knew that. You're a parachurch organization. You're not the church. I love you, and I'm, I'm glad you're here, and you're valuable. But you are not the church. So to stop it there, you were, we're stopping short. The goal is to get them back to the local church, the bride of Christ. See, and, and we will partner together. I wrote it down. Where is it? I said, we're going to partner with them. And I can't wait. We're going to partner with them and go after more and more kids to help them fall in love with Jesus and the church. I'm telling you. So, so devil, I'll speak to you. You might be hell-bent on reaching the next generation, but so are we. By the way, we've got Jesus leading the charge. Who you got? Last time I checked, you're already defeated by him. So we're, we are, I'm, I'm wrapping around Youth for Christ. I want to, anything we can do to get in, into the schools, get in front of the kids, we're doing it. Man, Acts 20, 24, listen to this. Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, what's he say? My life is worth nothing unless I use it for finishing the work assigned by the Lord Jesus. What is that work, Paul? Telling others about the good news of the wonderful grace of God. That's Paul said nothing else matters. Nothing else. If I'm telling you at the end of the day, and the older you get, the more you know this, it is so quick. There's nothing more important. When, when it's all said and done, nothing else will matter. I promise you, don't believe the lies the world's going to tell you. Okay? You're not of this world. If you're in Christ, you are not of the world. But you need to be in the world, reaching people, and so do I. But I'm telling you, every time that you invite, every time that you share your story, Every time, every time that you point someone to Jesus, you are living your purpose and you're making an impact in the kingdom of God. Every time you do it. Every time you love like Jesus. Oh. So Jesus is continuing this great commission, right? So Jesus has died, risen, and he said, hey, this is what you're supposed to do, church. This is what you're supposed to be. Go. Reach them. Make disciples everywhere. And then baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So what do you mean, Jesus? We just have to, part of our purpose is just to dunk people? Oh, you need to understand what baptism means. Baptism is like an inauguration. It's it's a declaration saying that I am part of something bigger. I, I talked to a guy this week on the phone struggling in addiction. And he kept saying, I want to be, I want to be part of the church. I want to be part of the church. I said, you are. I said, let's go. Let's go. He gave it, by the way, he gave his life to Christ over the phone for the very first time. It was unbelievable. 
Unbelievable, this guy. So, but, but you know what that did? So as soon as he gave his life to Christ, he's adopted into the family of God. You know what he said? Here's the next thing he said. I didn't even bring it up. He said, I want to get baptized. And I'm like, the Holy Spirit is in him. Because the Holy Spirit will prompt you to the next step. Baptism is a declaration saying that Christ lives in me. And, and, and it's bigger than that. It also says I'm part of the body of Christ. I'm, par- I, I, I'm no longer a lone ranger, but I am part of a body. See, there, there's more than just believing. You need to belong. I tell people, a believer without a church family is an orphan. And I used to say, oh, I can believe in Jesus, but I don't need the church. That is blasphemy, basically. That is such a, a pile of crap. <laughs> Boy, there's Monty Living Translation right there. So um, it is, though. I, I, you know why I said it? I didn't want to go. I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't need to go. Jesus will never lead you down a path away from his bride. He never will. You, we can slice it any way we want. Oh, but the church is corrupt. Yep, some are, just like everything. Oh, some pastors just want your money. Some do. Sure, I suppose. Just like some business owners just want your money and some other entrepreneurs just want your money, I guess. Yep. But it's still God's bride. And if that church wasn't working for you, find one that is because there's one for you. And you watching online, I love you. But eventually, if you're able and not just homebound, you need to find a local church. And you need to go there because, because church isn't sitting in your living room listening to a message. That's listening to a message. Nothing wrong with it, but it isn't the church. It isn't the church. And I don't care whether you come to Meadows or not. I love you too, but there's a lot of great churches in Omaha. We'll help point you to one. So, Ephesians, Paul says, so now you are no longer strangers and foreigners. Uh-uh. You're different now. You're saved now. You're citizens along with God's holy people. You are members. Say members. You are members of God's family. People will say, do you have membership at Meadows? Yeah, we do. It's called when you're saved and you call Meadows Church your church home, you're a member. Congratulations. Now, 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 do we have discipleship? We'll get to that, actually. We do. And a lot of you don't know about it. Again, that's probably my fault for not communicating it as much as I should. But before I get to that, I need to tell you that baptisms, the next baptisms will be happening in a month. May, May 22nd. Yeah, I mean, praise God. If you've given your life to Christ and you've never made a declaration to get baptized, to, 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 to tell the world that you're part of the family of God, this is your next step. The gentleman who gave his life to Christ on the phone on Wednesday, he'll be getting baptized. I want you to do it as well. Just keep that, just mark that in your calendar, May 22nd. All right, so we're supposed to go make disciples. That's your purpose. Say purpose. You're supposed to baptize them. That's why, you know what that means for you? That means you're inviting people into the family of God. You're set, you, again, that's more of like inviting and, 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 and walking with people. This is baptizing people in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus closes by saying, teach them. Teach them to obey. Everything. Teach them to obey all my commands. All the things I've given. Be sure of this. I'm with you always. Even when you don't feel it. Even when you can't see it, even when you're struggling, even when you're hurting, even when you're depressed, even when you're anxious, even when you're scared, even when you're lonely, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. So we're supposed to teach people, huh, Jesus? We're supposed to teach, we're supposed to walk with people. That's what Jesus said. For, for us, let me give you one more from, from just to back up what I just said. Scripture will always back up Scripture. Paul says, instead, in Ephesians We'll speak the truth in love. If you're ever wondering how to have a tough conversation with somebody, you gotta, maybe it's a friend or a family member, you got to talk to them about what they're posting on social media. you got to revoke their card, you know what I'm saying? Uh, he, that's the formula. Speak the truth in love. 
Speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who's the head of the body of the church. What that says is you're supposed to grow. There's people that can sit in a church for 30 years and not grow. It happens all the time. I pray it won't happen to you, and I'll I'll do everything I can. We'll do everything we can to point you on a a growth track that will change you. You know what they are for us? You're you're probably familiar with uh, small groups. We call them life groups. We also have our discipleship process. That's just a big word that says we're going to help you grow like Christ. And we're going to be we're going to be very diligent about it. They're called purpose groups. Let me put it in Jesus context. Jesus led 12. That was his life group. They did life together. He taught them. They did. They broke bread together. They laughed together. They cried together. But then Jesus had Peter, James and John. That was his purpose group. They, th- that was deeper. They, they went on a different level. They got to see different things. They got to witness what the others didn't get to do. do. They got to grow in even deeper ways with the Lord. That's a purpose group. Our purpose groups are are yearly, cyclically. They start in September, and they're a year long. So we have 17 of them happening right now. You may not even know that. Some of you are in them. This is our discipleship process. We don't have you come to a class for two hours so you can fill out a bunch of blanks or, or, you know, and then maybe throw it in a corner and then just live your life and nothing changes. No, no, no. We'll put you in a group with three other people, and you'll do life together. And it's not easy. You're in the Word daily. You're journaling daily in the Word of God. You're calling each other out. You're holding each other accountable to what you're learning and what you said and what the Word of God is telling you to do. You're also sharing your secrets and your sins. You're getting vulnerable and open. You're, 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 you're laughing and you're crying together. You're, you're going to each other in struggles and pain. That's why it's a closed group, man. You get intimate. Okay, four, and that's it. Three, one and three, and you're all doing it together for a year. And through that year, you'll read the entire New Testament together. You'll read Psalms and Proverbs, all of that together. You'll journal on all of it. We have, to, we have to stop trying to come up with new, fresh ways to do discipleship. How about we do what Jesus did? He grabbed some people, and he did life with them. That's what he did. Let's do life together. Jesus will be at the center. That's it. Why, do we come? Why are we trying to change a formula that's, that's proven by Jesus? That's what we do. Purpose groups will happen again this September. If you're not in one, somebody might be asking you to be in one, or you'll have an opportunity to jump in one. Keep that on your calendar. That's how, that's how you grow deeply. Life groups are huge too, and you need that as well. But, I'm, but to take it another step is a purpose group. Repeat after me. Say, I have a purpose. Love God. You're doing that by being here. Love others. When you invite or you take somebody out to eat or you do a random act of kindness, you're doing that. Go, reach them in my name. Baptize them in my name. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teach them, walk with them, love them, cry with them, help them. They'll help you. We'll do life together. You weren't meant to do it alone. The decisions that you make going forward, understand this. This will be huge for you. Decisions that you're going to make today and tomorrow they're going to impact your life forever. The decisions that you're going to make today will determine the story that you tell tomorrow. That's how big today is for you. See, this is why I know God led us to specifically drive people to purpose because it's in his word. I mean, Jesus said it. I don't, you can't get it wrong. He said, do this, do that. This is, this is, what, this is, this is what gets me. I don't want to miss it. I missed it most of my life. I don't want to get to the end of my life and be like, oh my God, I, 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 how did I miss it? 
And God's like, Monty, what were you doing? I gave you the signs. I gave you the message. I gave you my word. I gave you direction. And then I choose a different path. Our dream as a church, our desire is that, you, that everyone would know the reason that they're on this earth and that they would live it out. See, when you do that, that will give you a full life. That will give you abundant life. In fact, that will give you the life that Jesus Christ died that you might have. That's life. That's it. Those are your purposes universally. They won't change. They won't change. Do that and you will live life. One more question. What's the bigger focus? Let's, for the church. For you. That's for you, by the way. Growing people inside the church or reaching people outside the church? The Christian answer, well, both are important, gag garnet. You know, we're going to grow them inside the church and we're going to reach. And that is right. We are going to do that. And that is the right answer. But there's a deeper answer that's more pointed because there is, there is one that's more of a focus than the other. Not because I said it. Matthew 18, 12, Jesus is teaching. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99? Won't he leave the, uh, the, the, them on the hills and go after and search for the one that is lost? And if he finds it, don't miss that statement. If. There's a lot of people that will never be found. Not because Jesus wasn't wanting them found or looking. Because they weren't looking for him. If he finds it, I tell you the truth. He will rejoice over it more than the 99 that didn't wander away. Does he focus on one more than the other in the story? Yes or no? He does. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. He, he left the 99 to focus on one more. That's what he did. These are the words of Jesus. Does he rejoice more over one than the others? He did. It's okay to say it. You don't need to be shy about it. He did. He said, well, I'll rejoice more over the one that was found that was lost than the 99. I got a question, Jesus. Does that mean that you, you care more about the one than, than the 99? No, I didn't say that. I love them all. You love them all the same, Jesus? Yep. But, but in that particular moment, you're saying you focused on one more. Now you're catching on. I love them all. And the reason I love that story so much is because Jesus is teaching us something so profound that people will miss in the story of the 99 and the 1. What Jesus, I think, wants us to know and what he wanted the 99 to know, remember, that's, that's, the, that's the fold. That's the people in the church. These are people that you'd say are saved, right? Jesus is saying, 99, right now it's not about you. I love you. You know me and you know the Father. And if you know the Father, you know the Son. And if you know, you know the Son, you know the Father. I've got to go. Okay, you're good. You're with each other. Help each other. Teach each other. Encourage each other. Whatever. I'm going after him. Okay? In fact, what I want you to do is you should all be going after your ones. Right? That's what he says. Does he love them less? No. He loves them the same. He loves you the same. He loves me the same. The definition of Christianity is what? If 
it's not about me. Try to tell Christians that. I'll tell you all day long. If you're saved, it's not about you. It isn't. Christ now lives in you. And you know what he says? You're dead, and now he lives in you, and you come alive in him. Not to live your will, but to live his will, which is so much better than your will. This is what Jesus says. For us, what I tell my leaders all the time, and, and, and if you're saved, you're a leader. You're a minister. You're a priest. You're a saint. Think about that. You're a saint. That scares me. So I, t- I tell them all the time, the most important person on a Sunday morning is who? It's the guest. Who's the guest? It's the person that you don't know. Or the person that we know that doesn't know Jesus. That's the guest. If you're saved and you have the Holy Spirit living in you, your goal should be to meet at least one new person every week. Somebody you don't know. Because it's not about you. Not, not in the moment. So no one cares. No, no, no. Jesus cares. He cares. But, but how can I say this? I, the guest is most important on the weekend because, for example, when I'm talking to somebody in the Welcome Center, and some of you, you've experienced this, and i got to apologize from the stage because you're like, our pastor's kind of a jerk, you know? One time I was talking to him out there, and then I was talking like me and him, and then somebody else walked by, and he just ignored me and started talking to them. And if that, I've done that probably 5,000 times. And I don't do it to be mean or rude. Like, I do it because chances are if I do that, well, ch- not chances, I guarantee you, if I do that, I know you, and we know each other, but I don't know them. And I'll see you again. You'll come, maybe we'll get together during the week, maybe I'll see you next Sunday, but I'll see you again. I don't know about them. I may never get a chance. And I want you to think the same way. I'm not the pastor of Meadows Church. You are. That's how I see it. If you're saved, you should own this like it's your church. And like, those are your sheep. That's how the church thrives. You want to see a church push back the gates of hell? You get the people start believing that they own it. God, I beg you to, I beg you to pastor this church. I beg you to look for lost people or people you don't know and meet them and listen to their story and ask, how did you come to Meadows Church? But, but if I'm in the welcome center and I break from a conversation from you, it isn't because I don't, it isn't because I'm, I, 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 you don't matter to me. It's not because I don't care about you. It's not because I don't like you. Well, it might be because I don't. No, I'm just kidding. It's not because I don't like you. <laughs> in fact, if that happens, you should jump for joy. That should excite you. You should be like, oh, my God, the pastor just dissed me. That must mean I'm part of the family of God. Yay. Right? What would you do at church today? My pastor totally ignored me. Isn't it great? You got to come. It's great. So, you guys, we get, one, we get one shot to reach people. Pastor your church. Pastor it like you own it. God, if we start thinking that way, it's, it'll be crazy. So, do you know the church is like the only organization that I know of that exists where it's non-members? Think about that. It's not about us. Certainly not about me. We exist for the, for the world that doesn't know Christ. What a privilege. Jesus, so you're saying one fo- you focus on one more than the other? He says it over and over and over. If you, you get in the word of God, Luke 19, 10, the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. Oh, so you came for people that are lost. They're the focus. I get it. I have not come to call those who think they're righteous, but those who know they're sinners and need to repent. So you didn't come for the people that we think we got it all together. You came for the ones that know they're jacked up, like me and others. But once we're saved, then you use us to reach others. But yet growing is crucial as well, isn't it? Your growth matters. And what I'll tell you about your growth, it's on you. 
I'll help you, we'll help you as a church, we'll guide you, point you in directions, purpose groups, life groups, uh, Bible studies, prayer groups, I'll give you so many opportunities. People, if people ever tell me, I left the church because I wasn't growing, I'm like, okay, what were you doing? Did you get in the word of God? Did you, well, I was at church. Okay, other than showing up at church, <laughs> when you left church, did you, what did you do? Okay, tell me, your, tell me that story. So I guarantee and, then, and if anybody ever tells me about Meadows Church, I came to Meadows, but I, I, just didn't, I just didn't connect. I couldn't connect. If you can't connect at Meadows Church, something's wrong. Like, like if you raise your hand right now and say, I want to get connected, I bet 14 people will jump on top of you and be like, all right, let's go. You know, we get excited. We want to connect you. I'll guarantee you. But your growth is up to you. Don't pass the buck on anybody else. Don't pass it on a teacher. Don't pass it on. If you're going to school and you're like, I'm, that school ticked me off. Pay all that money. Okay, but you never opened the book. But I don't care. I paid the money. I showed up. But, but you didn't do the homework. I, think of how illogical that is. It's up to you. So, so when I got saved 14 years ago, it was up to me to say, I'm going to serve in the kids' ministry. I'm going to attend and serve. I'm going to serve third through fifth graders. I had to make that decision. When I got saved, after I got saved, and I heard the church mention life groups, I had to step into a group at a Perkins with guys I didn't know. I had to show up by faith and do it. And I did it. I had to go to the computer one day, sit down, go to my checking, go to online giving, and finally hit give. I had to do it by faith and trust. God, you got me, right? God, you're not going to let me go, right? I had to do that. My wife, Jody and I, you know what we had to do? We had to sit there and think, you know what? We're quitting our jobs. Yep, we're quitting our jobs. We're, we're, we're selling our home. And we're moving to Nebraska. What the heck are we doing, right? So, but, that, but we had to make those decisions. The decisions that you make today will determine the story that you tell tomorrow. Do you know why people aren't making decisions? It's not, it's not your sin that's keeping you away from growing. It's your comfort. That's what it is. Devil don't care if you're sinning. Just keep doing what you're doing. Keep doing the same thing over and over until the day that you're like, how the crap did I get to be 50? How did I get to be 60? How did I, how am I close to dying? I missed it. Don't let it slip through your fingers. Please. Comfort is crazy. I know people that work in their jobs, they hate them. They work there for over 40 hours a week and hate every minute of it. They've done it for 20 years. Why would you do that? It's what I do. It's comfortable. I've earned more vacation. How can I leave that? Now my pay is up to this. But you hate it. But, but I've got the benefits now. And I got, oh my God. But you hate what you're doing. Why are you still in that relationship? They keep talking down to you. They demean you. It's abusive. Well, I, you know what? There's good in there. You, but you've been in it for 20 years now. I know. Well, <laughs> life's almost over. I'll just suck it up. What? Are you kidding me? You, okay, I'm going to hit you with this because it hit me. Most people would rather be miserable than uncomfortable. It's crazy. People would rather be miserable than uncomfortable. What if, but if I leave you, I might not find anybody else. But, but if you don't, you, I guarantee you'll never find anybody else. 
And listen, I'm not just saying this like every, every situation is unique. I'm not saying go get divorced or whatever. I'm just saying, <laughs> pastor said, <laughs> oh boy. So, but God doesn't want you living like I just described. I'll tell you that. And if you're in an abusive relationship, that might be your option. But that would be after a long, hard prayer and counseling and a lot of stuff. But there's been, it's not, it's not been often, but there's been people I've said, that's your option. Because what you're in isn't a marriage. I don't care what the piece of paper, I don't care what it says. What, I, what you're describing to me, that's not a marriage. Again, those are rare exceptions, but I'm just being real with you, that's okay. I got, I, I'm a, I was a drug addict. I talk to addicts all the time. They keep using because it's what they know. They keep going out because it's what they do. And I'm like, you're, you're miserable. But it's what, you know, it's just what we do. So I'm like, you'd rather hang. You'd rather hang with demons that you know rather than angels that you don't. Does that make sense? What decision do you need to make today? I guess that's what I'm getting to. Next week, you can't, I don't want you to miss. Next week is going to be something we've never done before at the church. You're going to hear real stories from real people. People that have been changed and transformed. Parts of them were dead and now alive. Parts of them were, were dormant and now they've, they've, they're, they're, they're growing. And you're going to hear the stories. Guess what? Your story is just like that. It can be. You need to know there's hope for you. You need to know that God, if God can do it in them, maybe he can resurrect what's dead in me. He can. Don't miss it. You have an enemy. John 10, 10. I don't know if I put it in the notes. Or, yeah, the thief. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus, why did you come, though? That you might have life and have it more abundantly. Oh, if you knew what abundant life meant. As I close, there are people here you're the lost sheep. You're the one that's wandered away and you know it. The people that you decide to hang out with, the things that you're thinking about, the things that you talk about, the things that you're doing, things that even disgust yourself. And you're like, how did I get over here? I used to be over there and now I'm over here. Well, that's why God has you logged on today. That's why God brought you here today. And today, Jesus, like every day, he goes after you the one. And the 99, the 99 are like, oh my God, we're so lucky because if our king will go after the one, if I ever stray, my king will go after me. And he will. I don't want you to stray, but if you do, he'll go after you. Somebody here, you're the one. More than one are the one. You might have head knowledge of Jesus. Maybe you know scripture. It doesn't matter. I mean, I want you to know scripture, but if you know it, but you're not living it out, it's, it does not matter. You've wandered, and you know who you are. And Jesus says today, I'm calling you home. There is no purpose over here. None. Those things we talked about, you know, those five purposes, doesn't matter. If you're over here, the first, your first step, come home. You need to come home. That's why Jesus came. I came to seek and save those who are lost. I didn't call the righteous, those who think they got it together. I called the jacked up, messed up, screwed up, addicted, lonely, depressed, hurting, struggling, if that's you, God's calling you home. Like we celebrated last weekend at Meadows Church, we went crazy. If you were here, you were part of it. 
But I told somebody in the Welcome Center just before we came up here today, I said, you know what? That wasn't an anomaly. We do it every weekend at Meadows Church. Why? Because Jesus died on a cross, and three days later, the tomb was empty. It's still empty. Tomorrow it's empty. Next week it's empty. Next year it's empty. And if the tomb is empty, there's hope for you. There's hope for me. God, do your thing. The decision that you make today determines the story that you tell tomorrow. Online, you can type, I choose Jesus in the comments. We'll connect with you. We'll bring you back to the family of God. God will. We'll just watch him and guide. In the room, there's connect cards for every one of you. Some of you are dying for prayer. Write it down. Come up and pray with the prayer team. Some of you need to get back into the fold. Commit, recommit your life to Christ. Some of you want to get baptized on May 22nd. Mark the box. I'm going to say it again. It's not your sin that's holding you back. It's your comfort. Father, in the name of your son, Jesus, your word is so pointed and so insanely, like, specific. What's my purpose, God? I don't know my will in life. <laughs> I think you're like, just, re just, just do what I said. Love the Father. Love the neighbor. Love them. Lead them to me. Baptize them in my name. Walk with them. Teach them. Let them teach you. Speak the truth in love. God, who needs to take a next step? Well, if you want to get technical, every one of us. Holy Spirit, will you speak directly to us right now? Tell us exactly, specifically what we're supposed to do. There, there's no way that you won't do it. No one wants us moving more than you. No one wants us stepping more than you. No one wants abundant life for us more than you. God, have your way. May we be obedient. The most important thing of this entire experience right now is what happens next. That's the most important thing. What will we decide? You died for us. You rose for us, and by faith, you save us when we call on your name. By the grace of God, I pray that people by faith will make a decision to sell out to you and ask, them to, ask you to forgive them and make them new. If they do, your Holy Spirit will enter into them. And it won't be easier. It'll just be fuller. It'll just be more abundant. It'll just be purpose-driven. And after that, the best is truly yet to come, regardless of what happens this side of heaven. Father, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray and we all say, amen.